0: Dear friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died for your sin and lives now for your justification that you would be children of God, holy and beloved, overflowing with his mercy and grace for you. Amen. When Ephesians 3 states... That you may be strengthened in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It sounds like a very touching sentiment, doesn't it? It's warm, the kind of thing you might find on a a beaten up old um, farmhouse sign that you would buy at Target and hang in your living room. Something to hold on to, that Christ would dwell in your hearts. And it may be sentimental. It may be very meaningful in that way. But today we're going to be careful that it's not only sentimental, but that we're hearing what Christ himself is doing to your heart and for your life. Because it also means that Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Lord, is not satisfied with just giving you good feelings to get through the day, He's not satisfied with just destroying the external dividing walls that separate groups of people within the world. But he's intent on dwelling with you, that you would never be alone, that you would never be without him, dwelling in you, in your heart, making your heart his domain, the place where he lives, And cannot be taken the heart of course is our most guarded most precious most personal place it's where we are the most closed off the most vulnerable the place where we think we choose who enters so that nobody can hurt us by getting too close Around the heart, we put all of our safeguards. Fences, barbed wire, guns, security systems, keys, locks, five-inch steel doors, the vaults that nobody can get in until they have the right combination. It's the heart where we only let those closest to us get in there knowing that even they might hurt us. But most of the time, we keep everyone else at a distance, even walling off the heart from ourselves at times, not telling the truth about what is there, to keep our treasures locked and hidden where nobody can get to them except us. Getting into the heart is difficult work. It's not like getting into the stomach. When the stomach is empty, anyone can get in there. You just put a little food out on the table and everybody comes running. You find out what somebody likes to eat. You make it, they eat it, and they are appreciative of it. It's what Jesus found there along the Sea of Galilee with the 5,000. They were empty and hungry and hungry. It didn't really matter what he put out. They were going to eat because they were hungry. They were empty all the way down. They were in need. They didn't really ask for bread or fish, but that's what there was. And it filled their belly so that they started following Jesus around, looking for him to fill them daily, to give them everything that they needed for life. Because when you're hungry, all you can think about is food, your next meal. You can't think about the deeper issues of life. You can't think about, does your house need a paint job? You're only really worried about what's before you and your rumbling stomach. It seems that filling the stomach is an easy thing to do. I know we get caught up in this. How did he do it? There were 5,000 people with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and they all ate their fill. What a miracle. But it seems for Jesus that that was a small thing. The bigger miracle is that he gets beyond the, the belly and into the heart. Well, the crowds were very appreciative that Jesus filled their belly, and they they wanted to take him and make him their king, that he would provide for them all day, every day. And so he escapes to himself, and he finds his disciples out on the sea. And he finds that the disciples weren't empty. They were full. Not full of food, but full of fear and doubt and worry. Where are we going to buy food for these? How can this happen? It's too much for us to take. We are so very filled with things. And if I asked you, what are you filled with this week? I imagine you would have a lot to say. You might be filled with joy. You might have had a good week. You might be filled with confusion, fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, or pride. When we're filled up with these things, they pour out of us. When your pride is all that is on your mind, when it's overflowing, you can't help but just show everybody what you're proud of, right? And when you're fearful and worried, what do you show the world but a tremble, a lack of confidence, an uncertainty about what is to come? When we're full of these things, they also pour out of us. And we can't really think about anything else. And so are we full of those things? Or when we're full of those things, are they showing us just how empty we really are, how in need? Yes, I know, we fill our lives with many things. Possessions, money, busyness. And the more we are filled with these, the more we find that we are owned and controlled by the things we claim as our own. They consume us, they hold us. We can't actually get rid of them for fear of losing our very lives. In Ephesians, over the last couple of weeks, we've heard that Christ has broken down the dividing wall between two groups, between Jew and Gentile, and he continues to break down walls that divide people into uh, first-class and second-class citizens in the, in the kingdom of God. But breaking down the dividing wall between people is not the same as breaking open hearts so that Christ can dwell there. About 20 years ago, they made a movie called Remember the Titans. It's about football on its surface. Underneath that, it's about the desegregation of schools because there was black high school and white high school and they had to come together to make one football team. The word came down from on high. This has to happen. You are going to integrate. You're not going to be segregated. But the word coming down didn't actually make it happen. Yes, they became one team, but it showed all of the fighting within the team. Not just over race, but who's gonna be the captain of the team? Who's going to coach the team? Just bringing two groups together doesn't actually make them one. You actually have to break down the barriers and the defenses that surround the heart to crack open the heart to make one people. Through all of their struggles, they find that actually coming together as one team actually worked when they had a common enemy and they bonded together. It was a very sentimental movie. It fills you with great feelings. But Jesus, remember, hasn't just come to fill you with sentiment, but to fill your heart with his goodness. And that's why he has come to get through Not just giving you good feelings, but breaking open your heart through His Word to give you faith. Most of the time, we're so filled up that we don't even maybe recognize that we're empty at our core without God's grace filling us full. Last week, when I started my car, a light came on on the dashboard. It looked like a flat tire with an exclamation mark in it. Perhaps you've seen this. It came on to let me know that there's a problem with my car, something I hadn't even noticed. I hadn't paid attention. And when I went out to look at the tires, guess what I found? Nothing. It didn't look like the tires were low. None of them. I even checked the exact one that it was telling me about. I want to thank God that our cars are so full of sensors these days, that they tell us about problems that we wouldn't even have even known about 20 or 30 years ago, right? They keep blinking and pointing out problems that we didn't even know exist, telling me that my tire was just a little bit lower than it should be, not quite as filled up as it needs to be. It didn't fit the manufacturer's specifications, and the car let me know. I hadn't noticed any change in handling and the tire didn't look low, but yet every time I sat in there, there it was, blinking at me. There's a problem. There's a problem. That exclamation point would remind me that the, that the tire needed a little extra filling. In the same way, Jesus keeps pointing out that we are not as filled as we ought to be, for we continue to fill our lives with our own doings and our own things, putting up our own defenses to keep our heart from being fearful, to keep our hearts from being invaded, to keep our hearts our own. But Jesus is not like that little blinking indicator because that would mean that Jesus has just come to top us off a little bit, to pour in just enough to get us over the hump. Instead, he has come to spring all the defenses, weave his way through, to find us completely empty and defenseless to him. He's going to make you his own in order to fill you with his goodness, grace, and all the gifts of his kingdom. He's come into the world, into our very lives, into our very ears, and down into our heart to steal all the things that you cling to that make you you think your life is worth something without him, to take away all of your best stuff, which we cling to as our sin, all of the things we hold most dear and refuse to let go. He's taken unto himself and died to them. All the ways that we would only hold on and say, stay away, get out. He's taken our beatings and our bruises. He's taken our fists and our pounding. He's taken even our very death to himself in order to replace it, to replace your emptiness with the very whole fullness of God the fullness of God that never runs out, that is never not enough and never expires and can never be taken from you. Jesus Christ, your Savior, has come into your heart to rule there by faith, by giving you this promise. Your life is in him. Amen.